feel like you can't or shouldn't go on with the way things are in your life? Had enough pain over betrayal? Are you letting fear about money or rejection ruin your life? Are you stuck in low self-esteem, wishing you could get a fresh start? If so, this next hour is dedicated to you. This is the show where you can ask all your important personal questions and find out what you can do to start creating more joy and intimacy in your life. Listen in as Jane speaks with callers about their issues and shares her unique insights and strategies for living a more extraordinary life. And now, your host, Jane Strauss. Thanks for joining me today on the Ask Jane Show. Please feel free to send me your questions, concerns, and feedback. I'm at jane at askjanenow.com. Or you can leave a confidential voicemail for me at 415-458-1900. That's 415-458-1900. Hi, Natasha. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh Uh-huh. My pleasure. So tell me what's going on. Okay. I am uh, embarking on a divorce. It's it's not contested. Everything is, um, you know, appropriate on both sides. And Mm -hmm. my question is, after being married for a hundred years, how do I reinvent myself? <laughs> how do you reinvent yourself? Why do you need reinventing? What's wrong with the current Natasha? Well, the current Natasha is fabulous, but I found that um, friends that we both had are no longer my friends. Uh-huh. And I do have, you know, several businesses, so that's intact. I love, I have a passion for that. Great. But... The, thank you. But the, uh, the thing, I, I've chosen never to get married again. And Watch out mean, for those nevers. Okay, I'll, <laughs> I'll make a note. I'll make a note. You're probably going to be married the, the, again the, the day after you're finalized with this divorce when you say that. <laughs> and you're invited to the wedding? Okay, great. <laughs> if okay, not, great. I'll crash I'm, it. I'm making a mental note of that. Okay. But, uh, but in the meantime, because I've been through so many... Um, you know, relationship challenges with friends as a married woman. Mm-hmm. And now I'm on the other side of the fence. So it's a little scary because I, I, I don't even know what to do. What's really going on, Natasha? I just sense that there's something here that you have a question about, and I don't know what it is yet. Hmm. Well, help me here. Okay. You're, you're the, the intuit genius. Uh, I don't claim magic powers of intuition here. I just listen carefully. Right. So what is it that you need some direction with? Why is it that you feel like you need to reinvent yourself? You sound great. You sound like you feel good in many parts of your life. You're going through an uncontested divorce, which is highly unusual and remarkable. Right. Um, so what's going on? What's the problem here that you want to look at? Or what's you know what nags you? When you wake up in the middle of the night, what's nagging at you? Well, the good thing is I don't. Okay. <laughs> so that's good. But when I wake up in the morning, I think it's just, it's a whole new life. It's a whole new existence. And I think that the, you know, the, the personal contacts that I had are really no longer as a team. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think that, I guess my question is, do I just attract all new friends that don't know my background? <laughs> what, why are you asking that? What if they knew your background? Well, I think that the friends that I that I, a lot of the friends that I had are kind of going by the wayside. They're they're not there well, for me. Why are they going by the wayside? I mean, I understand that in a split up, people you know go to their different corners. Mm-hmm. Um, but why? What's happening there that you're losing? It sounds well, that, like more friends than you yeah. would have bargained for here. You know, I think that everybody's wonderful. Not everybody's a match. And when you connect with people that are a match, at least I assume they're for the rest of my life. Yes, and so you assume that, and then it didn't turn out to be true? Correct. Uh-huh. Do you feel judged by these people? You know, that's a, a brilliant question. I, I, I presume that between opinions and judgments, obviously that happens. Mm-hmm. But I'm not personally attaching their, their disengaged friendship to that. Uh-huh. Do you know what their judgments are of you? You know, I, I don't. Uh-huh. Do you make assumptions about what they are? Do you wonder and think, well, I wonder if so-and-so is judging me for this or for that? Does that come up for you? You know, not really. No, I'm... I'm... But if you had these, if you thought you had lifelong loyal friendships that are suddenly going by the wayside, yeah. you must be wondering something about that. 
Well, then maybe that that's correct. Then maybe I am prejudging. But I think at this point, you know, if you call somebody and they don't call you back, <laughs> that's pretty obvious. Well, what's obvious to you? I want to know what you can what you take from that. You must think that they think something. What's the worst thought that you think people are holding about you, Natasha? You know that they can't be friends with both of us. No, what's the worst oh. thought that you think they're holding about you? Because if they're choosing your almost ex as opposed to you, you must be thinking they're judging you for something. What is it that you think you're being judged for? Or maybe you are being judged for. I don't want to say think. What, yeah. what, what's it, there? You know, I, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, D- don't you, if these were people that you thought were lifers yeah. for you, don't you want to ask them directly? Like, why yeah. are, are well, you maybe not my you friend? Maybe you shed a light on it. Maybe I need to approach them and, and this one particular person. And, you know, she said that she couldn't be friends with me anymore. So. Uh, he, that sounds like a pretty big statement to leave hanging there. Yeah. Uh, you know, as, are you afraid of what you might hear? Oh, no. I just think that everything kind of crashed at once. And then I heard about you and your, your talents, and I thought I would call in. Uh-huh. <laughs> so maybe you just haven't had the emotional wherewithal yet to really hear all this as you're going through your divorce. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think that probably is an accurate statement. Uh-huh. Well, you're not required, just because we're talking right now, to go make that phone call and ask that woman. It was a woman, right? To mm-hmm. ask, yeah. yeah. To ask her, you know, so what is it about our friendship that wasn't worth it to you, or why are you letting go of me? Right. You know, because it's tough enough to be going through a divorce, even if it's amicable or even if it's being handled in a relatively respectful way. Right. Um, you know, but at some point, I think you're going to want to answer that question for you because it it seems to me it's going to nag at you. And before you it, it, and that's the reason you're thinking that you have to reinvent yourself is because you don't know the answer to that. So you think you've got to start from scratch and make it up all over again. And maybe that's not the case. Maybe there's one small thing. Maybe there's one thing that has nothing to do even with your ex that this person could shed the, shed the light on for you mm-hmm. and help you understand so that there's something you can look at in your life, but it isn't about reinventing yourself. Yeah, well, that, that sounds, you know, that sounds very clear. So you, you've shed a new light, and, and I'm going to investigate that. Okay. And, you know, you might want to do that with uh, a few people, you know, because I just have concern about you feeling like you have to start over. It's enough to start over in all the ways that one has to after a divorce anyway. But you get to still be you, you know, and the best of who you are needs support. And the things that need changing still need support from other people. Well, that's why I think that uh, the the key word is support and unconditional. Yeah, well, unconditional is tricky because I really, <laughs> I, I have a belief that the only unconditional love we ever can offer is to our children. Uh-huh. That adults, there are conditions on relationships with adults. Mm-hmm. Even in marriage vows, there are conditions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we make promises, and if we break those promises, we really don't expect that someone's going to love us for breaking those promises or stay with us for breaking those promises. So in our adult relationships, it's really important not to expect unconditional love. Interesting. So it's it's about expectation. Right. Mm -hmm. So eliminate expectations. Right. Eliminate expectations, but ask for what you want. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So so that's a good one. That could be the name of a new book. That's right. Oh, thank you. Now I got the title. (laughs) Ask. Wait, what did you say? Ask for, Ask for what you want. I don't think anybody's ever done that because I work with a lot of publishers, <laughs> authors. I think that's your new book. Okay. Well, thank you for that advice. I'll take all of that and appreciate it from the expert here. So hopefully this is helpful for you. No, you've been great. Okay, very good. And I wish you the best. Please let me know how you're doing, okay? Okay. And should, uh, are people able to email you? Absolutely. All you need to do is email me at jane at janestrauss.com. It's S-T-R-A-U-S. Okay? Okay, and this was a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. Now I know why you're so successful. (laughs) Well, thank you, Natasha. I'm glad I could be helpful. Okay, take care. You too.
Do you know the difference between a dash and a hyphen? Can't figure out when to use a colon or a semicolon? Wondering when to say I or me? Do you want to polish your resume? Then you need the best-selling blue book of grammar and punctuation, which has been endorsed by thousands of teachers, business professionals, and homeschoolers. To see the entire content of the blue book, visit grammarbook.com, G-R-A-M-M-A-R book. There you can read the easy to follow rules and examples and take hundreds of fun interactive quizzes. Did you know that this morning, 250 million children woke up and didn't have the opportunity to attend school? Room to Read is a nonprofit organization that has helped nearly 2 million children around the world receive the lifelong gift of education. Its success is directly tied to the work of passionate volunteers and gracious donors. Support Room to Read today. Help provide an education and a brighter future to the world's children. Visit the website at roomtoread.org. When someone you love is seriously ill, Hospice by the Bay offers comfort, care, and support, enabling them to live with dignity in the home of their choice, surrounded by those they love. Hospice's care extends to the entire family. Hospice by the Bay also serves people whose lives have been affected by the loss of a loved one through its community grief support program. Hospice by the Bay's care is available in Marin, San Francisco, and Sonoma counties, and is funded by reimbursement from Medicare and private insurance, and through financial support from community members and businesses. For information on how they can help you and your family during difficult times or how you can support their work, call 415-927-2273, 415-927-2273, or visit us on the web at www.hospicebythebay.org. That's hospicebythebay.org. Now it's time for more of Ask Jane with your host, relationship expert and best-selling author Jane Strauss. Ask Jane your important question, and her email is jane at askjanenow.com. That's jane at askjanenow.com. And now, here's Jane. Hi, Laura. Welcome to the Ask Jane Show. Hi. Hi. How can I help you today? Um, well... Uh, I've been dating my boyfriend for about two years, mm -hmm. and um, actually we've known each other since we were in second grade. And I can't seem to commit intimately. You can't commit intimately, meaning that you don't feel connected sexually, or it's, it's, what does that mean? It's not. It's not that. It's just I, I have an issue with sex in general. It's. It's not him. It's. And I've never had a problem with it before, believe me. With what before? Sex. You never I've, had a problem before? Yes. Okay. I mean, I've had many boyfriends, uh -huh. and it's never been a problem. So you've enjoyed sex, and you're orgasmic, and all's been good that way before? Yes. Okay. But now, it's with this relationship, something's different for you? Yes. And I don't know if it's necessary. I don't think that it's him necessarily well why don't you tell us what's going on for you so that w i can help here maybe okay well th there's a couple different issues um i was raised in an extremely catholic background and now it's to the point where i'm finally you know home from college and i still um live with my parents unfortunately but <laughs> his you know i cannot live with a man before i'm married it, it's kind of a guilt thing on one hand uh-huh and in my last relationship that I had, that was all it was, was sex. Uh-huh. And that's when you were still away at college? Yes. Okay, so you didn't have to be under your in your parents' home. Right. Uh-huh. Okay. And how did you feel about that? Were you okay with that at the time? With sex with my ex-boyfriend? Yeah. I mean, that that's all it was. You were saying that's all it no, was. Not, no, I wasn't. You weren't okay with that? No. Okay. So you felt guilty about that? Yes. Okay. But you enjoyed it? Yeah. It was, it, it was, I mean, it was a little different in terms of guilt, but he really, I mean, that's, that's what he was all about. Uh-huh. And so now, tell us about now, like, what's the problem? It, it's not one thing. I like to find excuses why not to, and. Are you, are you sexually attracted to this boyfriend? Yeah. Yes, you are, really? I'm very attracted to him, but oh, I don't okay. it's like it's like that's not even a part of me anymore. Like I don't feel like I ever need it again. 
which is so not how it used to be. Uh-huh. And now finally I feel like I have this one serious relationship with somebody I could spend the rest of my life with, and I don't have that anymore. Like, that's one aspect that we don't. So you're feeling shut down sexually? Sort of, yeah, uh, but not by him. Well, I'm not, yeah, there's no accusation yeah. here. I'm just saying yeah. what you're, well, let's not say it's about him anymore. You know, I, we get that. Okay. So just about you, though, what's going on for you is that you're attracted to him and you are sexually attracted, but your body just doesn't seem to want to make love. Right. And are you wondering if it has to do with being in your parents' home, being Catholic, being com- in a committed relationship? Are you, what's your question? How? I mean, I guess I, I couldn't tell you the the root of the problem, and maybe maybe it's a bunch of different things. But how do, how do you get over that whole hump of not having to think about all these other issues? Because I don't. Well, you don't really get over it. You can't, you know, your mind isn't going to be a blank slate here. But Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm wondering is, is it really all those other things? Or is there something? Because you keep saying it's not about him. It's not about him. And I keep thinking, well, maybe there is something with him. Maybe there is a reason that for some reason with him, you're unable to let go that way or want that with him. Could there be anything there with him? It could be. I mean, he is, like I said, I, he, I've known him since we were in second grade, and uh-huh. I went to an extremely small school. Um, I graduated with under 40 people, uh-huh. and I've never, I've never dated any of my classmates before. Uh-huh. So is, and I always sort of made it a rule that I yes. you know, never went there. So is, it, is there any feeling like he's like a brother to you? Well, we're more like really close friends. Uh-huh. Like we're we're best friends. Uh-huh. Yeah, that that sometimes can be hard to be turned on in that kind of in that kind of relationship. Mhm. So, you know, that is a reason that a lot of times people aren't actually attracted to people they went to grade school with because they feel like they've known them a long time, they know them as a little kid. It's hard to get this juicy feeling going. Yeah. But I guess where I'm confused is that you started out by saying that you were really attracted to him. So that's where I'm confused. So, <laughs> well, I, I mean, or do you I tell am, yourself you're really attracted to him? Well, he is physically extremely good looking. Okay. He may be very good looking. I get that. Are mm-hmm. you really attracted to him? Well, like you said, now I, you know, that's what I think. What I mean, I want, I want to, I go, I go through these, you know, phases where like, I want to do it and then it, it comes down to it and I just can't. Okay. So is it that you want to be attracted to him or are you attracted to him? And I'm just trying, because the thing is, is that until you really know the truth for yourself, nothing shifts. So there's nothing that's set in stone about any of this, but I'm really just trying to help you get to your truth right now. Mm-hmm. So which is it, if you had to say for yourself right now, are you really attracted to him or are you really wanting to be attracted to him? I think I'm more wanting to be. Okay. All right. And the thing is, is that what that does right there, Laura, is it puts pressure on you. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So this is the heart of the problem because you can't pressure yourself into sexual attraction. You can't Mm -hmm. pressure yourself into getting turned on. It doesn't work for women that way. Yeah. So you've got yourself in this no-win situation inside your own head with this. That makes sense. Okay. So it's like you're in prison really with this. Yeah. Okay. So the first thing is that if you can just acknowledge that this is the truth, that you're, that this is where you are, sometimes the interesting thing is that the truth can change, but we have to be in the truth first for it to even have the possibility of changing. Mm -hmm. So have you been in a lie with him about being attracted to him? Have you been doing the whole reassuring thing? It's not you. It's me. You're really attractive. Da, da, da. I really want to. Something's wrong with me. Routine? Not really, because he just, he's very understanding. And it, 
I mean, you know, it hurts him, but at the same time, if it's what I want, he will go along with it. Okay, but how can he be understanding of something you haven't even understood yourself, right? I mean, he can say he's trying to be understanding, but he can't really be understanding. So what I want to support you in right now is just imagining for a moment that you were telling him the truth that you just got to. Okay. All right, which is we've known each other since second grade, and so— Um, I haven't, you know, what's really going on for me is that I think you're wonderful and I care about you and you're really gorgeous and I have not been able to feel attracted to you yet. I think you would be extremely hurt. Uh Uh-huh. Right. So here's what you're trying to do. You're trying to protect his feelings and ignoring your own. Right. And that's not going to work. And the reason it's not going to work, Laura, is that if you pick his feelings, his hurt feelings over your feelings, Mm -hmm. what's going to happen is you're going to get more and more guilty and more and more shut down. And you're going to end up feeling worse and worse. And you're going to end up having to break up with him or marrying him and being miserable the whole time. Yeah. And that's not a good setup. He does not deserve that. And neither do you. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is that there's really, when you say he's going to feel really hurt, well, he might feel really hurt, but the truth is there's nothing you're saying that's actually hurtful because you're not saying one bad thing about him. You're not judging him. You're not accusing him. You're just saying, this is what's true for me right now. And what I'm saying here, Laura, is that you telling the truth is the most intimate thing that you can do in a relationship. It is actually, in some ways, the sexiest thing that you can do. Mm Mm-hmm. The truth is very sexy. It oftentimes gets people through a lot of hurdles in sex because sex doesn't bring truth. Truth brings sexuality. Truth brings intimacy. Truth lets the juices flow. Okay. I know you're listening to this. You're going, yeah, sure, Jane. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, yeah, you know, I I understand, but I I, I don't. I don't want to, you know, lose the relationship necessarily. Okay, so I just want to let our listener know we're talking to Laura today. And Laura is in a predicament where she's with a wonderful man whom she doesn't want to lose. But she's known him since second grade and doesn't feel the attraction to him that she feels like she should have, even though he's very good looking and she cares about him. And so she's not sure what to do about that. Correct, Laura? Correct. Okay, so... What I'm recommending to you, Laura, is that you take a leap of faith here. Okay. If he's really the guy for you, Mm -hmm. this is the kind of conversation that you can have in the relationship and actually come through to a new place together. Okay. If he's not the right guy for you for whatever reason, then you'll find out from this. It's true. But my guess is from just from the little bit that you've been saying is mm-hmm. that I don't have I don't sense that he's going to go away when he yeah, hears this. I don't this. think he would either. I don't think so. <laughs> I think what the biggest danger is that you're going to end up going away because your body's just going to shut down more and more. Right. I just end up pushing away without saying anything at all. Exactly. And yeah. that's and that creates a lot of feeling of rejection for the, your partner. Mm-hmm. And that's going to hurt, even if he's not expressing it and he's shoving that down, that's going to hurt him a lot more than you right. just saying, this is what's going on for me. Right. And, you know, what I what I really imagine, Laura, is that you just putting out this big booga booga truth that you think is so big and it was like it was so big you weren't even telling it to yourself. So what happens is when we won't tell the truth to ourselves, we make something huge in our minds. And it becomes the dominant thing in the relationship. It takes over everything. I would agree with that. Yeah. So what you want to do is, you know, make it a little schmo in your relationship instead of this big booga booga thing. It doesn't have to be the boogeyman in your relationship. And the way you do that is by talking about it. The way you do it is by creating intimacy around the scary thing to talk about it so it's not so scary and so that you can share in it with him. That's pretty intimate. Okay. What are you thinking right now? <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I, I think it's, go, yeah. Go ahead. 
I, I think it's a definitely a good idea, but you know, it's just working enough enough courage to ha- you know to say it. You know, instead of trying to work on your courage to say it, of course I want you to work on your courage, but instead of focusing on working on your courage, I want you to focus on your love for him. Because okay. because truth is loving, and withholding that truth is not loving. It's hurtful because he doesn't know what he's really dealing with. And so he feels rejected over and over. So instead of focusing on your courage, I want you to focus on the love you do have for him. He's your best mm-hmm. friend. This is a man you don't want to lose in your life. Right. You love him. That's why you're in this predicament. You're trying so hard, but you're trying so hard to do something alone that you can't do alone in a relationship. This isn't so uncommon, Laura, what you're going through. Where what happens is you get together with someone who seems right in so many ways, and then you can't find the the sexy part. Mm -hmm. But it's something that gets worked through with couples by talking about it. Okay, I want you to know you're not alone. Okay? Okay. That other people do go through this, and people in good relationships go through this. And this is what makes them stronger and better is to be able to go to that scary place from a place of love and compare and care and compassion with each other. All right? Okay. So just be willing to consider that right now. Will you okay. promise that to me that you're willing to consider that? Yes. Yes? Yes. Okay. And you'll let us know what's going on? Yes. All right. Please do. Cause, okay. Because I really want to be here for you as you go through this. Okay. There's a real opportunity for intimacy here, and I'm rooting for you here. Well, thanks. Okay, Laura, thank <laughs> you very much. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. You like what you're hearing on the Ask Jane Show? Well, then visit janestrauss.com to ask Jane your questions and to read her blog. You can also read excerpts from Jane's remarkable book, Enough is Enough, which will help you stop enduring and start living a more extraordinary life now. You can also watch Jane's video, 10 Keys to an Extraordinary Life, by visiting janestrauss.com. That's janestraus.com. Isn't it time you started living the life you want now? When someone you love is seriously ill, Hospice by the Bay offers the care and support enabling them to live with dignity in the home of their choice, surrounded by those they love. Hospice by the Bay also serves people whose lives have been affected by loss through its grief support program. For information on how they can help you and your family, call 415-927-2273 or visit us on the web at www.hospicebythebay.org. That's www.hospicebythebay.org. Time now for one of our former callers to check back in and follow up with Jane. Right here on Ask Jane. We have Brenda on the line, and Brenda's been with us before. Brenda had a unique situation and a very traumatic, shocking situation in that she was with her boyfriend on his deathbed when she found out that there was another woman. And uh, so, Brenda, how are you doing since our talk together? You know what? It was very helpful. I did find, like, a a much greater degree of peace, and I would remember your words, you know, that, like, what really mattered was the fact that, like, did I believe in my heart Robert and I had something special together? And the answer was definitely yes. And, like, that just sort of eased, you know, I was all this, like, you know, tension I had inside me and fear and sadness and worry. Not that I don't still think about Robert every day and miss him, but like that was really the key. And so actually it helped me to have the holidays. Holidays are hard, of course, after you've lost a loved one. And so, but that really helped me and actually like, you know, I've gone on to have, um, well, believe it or not, I have a date in a couple of weeks. Congratulations. So it sounds like you were able to actually not just do some healing, but some completion. And Mm -hmm. um, not that you don't have feelings, but you were able to kind of close that chapter and get on with your own life, which is what it's all about, Brenda. Thank you so much for letting us know. Thanks for the help. Uh My pleasure. It was great to hear from you again. Thank you. Happy New Year. 
Bye. Bye bye. You're listening to Ask Jane with your host, relationship expert Jane Strauss. And her email is jane at askjanenow.com. That's jane at askjanenow.com. What would you like to ask Jane? For more of Ask Jane, visit janestrauss.com. Now, here's Jane. Hi, Eric. Welcome to the Ask Jane Show. What relationship problem do you need help with today? Hi, Jane. I appreciate you taking my call. Of course. I, uh, I actually have a couple of issues. Um, first one is I'm in my mid-30s now and never been married, no kids. Um, it seems to me that most, if not all, of the women in my dating pool have the same problem, that they all seem to be extremely self-absorbed, like to the point where um, the entire relationship revolves around what they want, what they're feeling, what they don't want. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the first question I have is, why do you think that these are the kind of women who are in your dating pool? Because, you know, as a woman, I know a lot of women, and I know a lot of women in their 30s who are wonderful, generous, kind, open-hearted <laughs> women. So well, why are you, you pulling tell me where your... to find those women... <laughs> Well, I will I, be there. I, well, you know, I think they're really all around. So my, what I'm wondering is why is it that you're drawing in a certain type of woman? Because I'm believing you. I don't want you to think I'm not believing you. I get, you know, there are self-absorbed women. There are self-absorbed men. And if this is right. what you're experiencing over and over, I'm just sitting here going, hmm. This is, yeah, this is my problem. And, and uh, maybe you could help me by telling me where these other women are. Well, it's not so much that I think I can tell you where the other women are, because as I'm saying, they're around. It's why is it that your radar keeps picking up on... Why am I I attracted to only the women that are self-absorbed? Bingo. That's exactly right. So it's either because you're somehow used to connecting that self-absorption with love or normalcy, maybe from something you grew up with, or there's some way that it serves you because you get to be the nice guy on the other side. Um, I don't know what you know. What what did you grow up with as far as women role models? Why don't you tell me a little well, bit? I actually have a very very uh, secure uh, uh, family life. I had a very secure childhood. Both my parents are still married. They've been married for almost forty two years. That's wonderful. Congratulations to your parents. Thank you. (laughs) And to you. So what I want to know is, like, did you feel like your mom was there for you and loving? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So maybe, okay, so she's a role model, actually, for you of what you want in a woman. Exactly. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. Now, is there any, do you have any thought, just kind of check in for a moment before you answer, Eric, okay? Okay. Do you have any thought that there's never going to be anyone like mom or that that would be really hard to find? I do actually have that thought. Okay. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. Because it's really interesting. What happens is that we don't even realize sometimes how our thoughts then manifest into what becomes our reality. So, you know, what I'm hearing is you actually know what you want. You know what it looks like. You know how it feels because right. you grew up exactly. with it. But the, exactly. but here's this underlying thought that says maybe there's no one else like that. Maybe I can't find that. And that thought alone could make you draw in the exact opposite of what you actually are looking for, Eric. Really? Yep. That's all it takes because our thoughts are incredibly powerful. And the ones that are most powerful are the ones, are the unconscious ones. Because your conscious thought is, I want a wonderful woman. You know, that is your conscious thought. Um, But the unconscious thought is, maybe it doesn't exist. And actually, (laughs) what happens is the things that interfere with us having what we want in our life, there are three things. There's fear, self-judgment, or a limiting belief. Those are the three things. I'm going to say them again, okay? Okay. Fear, self-judgment, and limiting beliefs. 
So I just want our uh, listeners to hear again that we're talking to Eric here, who is um, a man in his mid-30s looking to have a solid, loving relationship. He grew up with that and has not been able to find a woman that is really the role model that his mom was, that he's ended up attracting self-absorbed women. So we're looking at that today to get that out of the way for Eric. So, Eric... What I hear happening is that I don't hear a fear and I don't hear a self-judgment, but I hear a limiting belief. The limiting belief that that there are very few women or maybe even there's no woman who's going to be the kind of woman your mom was or your mom was with you and your dad. Right. Okay. So that's really a limiting belief. And it's, it's like putting blinders on yourself. And what it does is it makes you see what you actually do believe, which is there's nobody that's good enough. And so that's what you end up noticing. And even though it's not what you want to attract, it's what you'll end up attracting because it's attracting the exact opposite of what I'm looking for. Exactly, because that's what's in your field of vision. It's like, you know, it's um, it's kind of like when if you've ever bought a car new or used and then suddenly the next day you're driving on the freeway and you see that car everywhere. Now, are there uh-huh. really more? Are there really more of that car on the road that day? No. Or you're just noticing more. You're just right. noticing more because it's where your attention is, and right. so what you want to do is change your limiting belief. That's the one thing you have control over, which is to say to yourself, it isn't about magically believing something new. I'm not telling you to just don't believe what you believe, <laughs> but I am saying recognize it and just say to yourself when you notice it now. That's just a limiting belief, Eric. Just say that to yourself. Just talk to yourself. I've got my limiting belief going on, and I'm willing to be wrong. Because here's our choice. We either get to be right or we get to be happy. And what you want to do is be happy. Right. You don't need to be right about this belief. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it doesn't make any difference whether I'm right or not. Exactly. So So tell yourself over and over every day, I'm willing to be wrong. I'm willing to let go of this limiting belief. I'm willing to notice the different kinds of women who are loving and kind, just like my mom. Okay. How does that sound? I think I can do that. I think you can too. And <laughs> I would really love to hear back from you because I have a feeling that you are suddenly going to feel yourself surrounded with loving, kind, generous, wonderful women who are a good match for you. Well, yeah, I would, I would definitely love to call you back. Great. Please do so. Okay. All right. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Jane. I appreciate your time. <laughs> uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Did you know that this morning, 250 million children woke up and didn't have the opportunity to attend school? Well, Room to Read is a nonprofit organization that has helped nearly 2 million children around the world receive the lifelong gift of education. Through the opportunities that only education can provide, Room to Read strives to break the cycle of poverty, one child at a time. Room to Read's success is directly tied to the work of passionate volunteers and gracious donors. So, support Room to Read today and help provide a brighter future for a child in need. World change starts with educated children. For more information on how you can help, visit www.roomtoread.org www.roomtoread.org You're listening to Ask Jane with your host, relationship expert, Jane Strauss. And her email is jane at askjanenow.com That's jane at askjanenow.com What would you like to ask Jane? For more of Ask Jane, visit janestrauss.com. Now, here's Jane. Hi, Diane. You're on the Ask Jane show. Well, hello, Jane. It's very nice to talk to you. Nice to talk to you, too. What relationship problem do you need help with today? All right. uh, I'll give you a brief history here. Uh, I've been married. uh, It'll be 19 years um, this year. um, this was not my first marriage, my husband's first marriage, however. Um, it started out, as most do, you know, with high hopes, uh, expectations, uh, a mutual respect. 
And uh, over a period of about the first five or six years, that drastically changed. What drastically changed? Why don't you just kind of fill me in? First of all, was there love? I did. That's the one thing in your list I didn't hear. Was there love? Isn't that interesting that I did not bring that up? Uh-huh. I, I thought there was. We went through a, a courtship. We knew each other for about a year. There was an engagement period. We're, uh, we were married in a church. So I thought we were doing everything right, <laughs> and um, and so did he, and we did not go into this thinking it was going to fail or we were going to have a breakdown. But uh, when my daughter, I had uh, two children from a previous marriage, and when my daughter uh, went to college, moved away, he moved into her bedroom, uh, took it over, and uh, basically moved out of the marriage bed. Uh, because he said that I bothered him, but I was too much trouble to sleep with. And, uh, of course, I was... Uh, Go ahead. Ouch. (laughs) Yeah, that was very hurtful. Uh, And was this a total surprise to you at that point? Yes, because we had shared a bedroom up until that point. However, we had had twin beds. Uh, Then we got we remodeled this bedroom, got a big king-size bed. Wait, why did you have twin beds to begin with? That was basically his choice. His attitude about that was if uh, if he became ill, like he had a cold or something like that, he wouldn't get me sick. You know, and, and I thought, well, you know, that, that may be very nice, but I didn't get married to sleep alone. Wait, at what point, I'm, I'm a little lost here, Diane, uh-huh. only because it seems like from early on there might have been some red flags here. Oh, definitely. Looking back, I can see them now. Okay. What do you see now? Let's start with what you did see instead of my thinking maybe you didn't see something. So tell me what you see looking back. Looking back, I see that he was, um, he wasn't emotionally available. Let's put it that way. He came from a very abusive background, was not shown a lot of love growing up. Uh, I wasn't really aware of a lot of these things till after we uh, we were married, but uh, there was um, definitely is one of these people who does not show a lot of emotion. Um, and from the beginning, that was the case. It wasn't like, oh, we were so in love. I'm not no. hearing. No. No. It was oh, there was always something about this. And is it that you got married hoping that? loving him would soften the situation and he would change or grow into being yes. more affectionate? Uh-huh. Yes, I believe so, because uh, he's five years younger than, than I am. Uh, we uh, we had a very good working relationship. I have an art business, and he helped me with that. Uh, plus, he was employed and still is. And uh, so we worked well together. Mm-hmm. Uh, work has always been very important to me, and, and um, we got the down payment for our home together. Uh, we had common goals. Um, he had, um, we had a lot of similar values. He, ha- he has been and was uh, a very good stepfather to my two children, which was something that was very important to now me Now that also. I can understand. Okay, so we're talking to Diane today. Yes. And Diane is looking at a relationship she's been in now for how many years, Diane? Uh, almost 20. Almost 20 years. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's really gone south in the sense that it it's loveless and sexless at this it point. Is. And she's kind of not knowing what to do about it. Is that correct, Diane? Uh, Well, I'm I'm formulating a plan here. I'm not planning on staying in the relationship. Uh, A lot of it has to do with financial reasons. Uh, Obviously, I think uh, a lot of women that I have talked to seem to stay in relationships like this because of finances, Mm -hmm. uh, the economy the way it is today, you know, uh, and, and change is hard. Uh, and it seems to be harder as a person does get older. You know, it's different when you're in your 20s and 30s, uh, even though there are their own sets of problems there. But, you know, we've got a history here. Uh, there are a lot of things, you know, which don't really mean as much so to me as they So what's your plan? Tell us your plan here so I know how to help you. Okay, my plan is to uh, gain uh, financial independence, which is coming, Hopefully, with this uh, within this year or next year, and to uh, 
make a new life for myself. Uh, I would like to uh, get myself a, uh, uh, a residence of my own uh, because I've realized that uh, to be alone by choice is one thing, but to be alone living in a marriage is quite another. It's a, the loneliest feeling. It's it, actually it, much yes. more lonely to be married and feel alone than yes. to be single right. and be alone. Uh, you know, I know that that's true. So you already have this plan, Diane. So yes. what is it that you need help with? What's either stopping you or what fear do you have right now? Uh, I, I guess there's the fear of change. Um, um, uh, I'm six years old. Um, and um, the the fear of change, The, the I still have this bit of hope that he will wake up and see what is happening, even though we have discussed it uh, so many times. Uh, and realistically, I've come to the point that that is not going to happen. Uh-huh. He is not a horrible person, uh, but he basically is who he is, and that is not going to change. Right. It sounds like you're trying to convince yourself that it's not going to change while you're still hoping it's going to change so that right, you won't right, have to make the right. change that you're contemplating. Right. You know, Diane... Here's what I'm going to say here, is that the change itself is scary, but what Uh is scarier is to Uh imagine, to fast forward your life, how old are you now? 60. To fast forward your life even five years, Uh and to think about what you're going to regret. Oh, yes, yes. And that's what I want to hear. It's like, if you're with him five years from now and nothing has changed, Uh versus if you're five years from now and you've left the relationship and even if you're alone, uh-huh. and even if you're having to, to work more or do whatever to take care of yourself financially, uh-huh. where, where would the reg- what would you regret more? Oh, definitely. It's, it's to the point that, that, that uh, the option of the continuing is not an option. It's not uh, an option. So no, it's not. So what do you need for support in making the change? I mean, when I'm, you know, it's when I'm hearing that you have 19 years and even from the beginning there have been mm-hmm. these issues and it hasn't gotten better in 19 years mm-hmm. and you're 60 years old mm-hmm. and, you know, you're looking at now what? You know, this is really the a time when you might need some real support in your life. Kind of, do, do you have people that can gather around you and help you with this big leap of faith and this transition to getting out of a 19-year marriage? Uh, thankfully, I do. I am seeing a therapist uh, who is um, um, helping me uh, make decisions. She doesn't make them for me. Of course but- not but definitely uh, is uh, opening up my eyes to a a lot of things. Uh, I have some wonderful friends who are extremely supportive, and so I do talk about uh, a lot of what's going on with them. So it sounds like the one thing that you need to do here, and you you can correct me if I'm wrong here, uh but it sounds like you, in hanging on to hope, there's Uh also a hanging on to resentment when he doesn't change. Oh, definitely. And that puts all your energy into his basket, essentially. You know, it's really that really sucks your energy for doing what you need to do for yourself. So I'm Mm -hmm. going to encourage you not to stop hoping. I never would tell anyone to stop hoping for anything. But Mm -hmm. I am going to tell you to stop focusing Mm -hmm. on him. Okay. To stop focusing your energy on his changing because it's useless. We have no power to change anybody. And even Mm -hmm. our love doesn't have the power to change anybody. Okay. You know, only they can do that. And only uh, a person knows their own path. We can never determine someone else's path for them. Right. Or or think we know what will work for them. So as much as you've loved and you've tried and you're still hoping, fine, Mm -hmm. then you know, there's a sunk cost factor here. Uh-huh. And sunk cost means that just because you've put in a lot of time, energy, love, and every other emotion doesn't mean it's a good idea to keep putting it there. I see. It doesn't make it a better idea just because you've put a lot in. Right. And I what, understand that. And so what I want you to do is to take that energy and bring it to yourself right All now. Right. Because when you decrease the energy going out to somebody else that has resentment attached to it, and you give yourself what you need, uh-huh. uh, it makes whatever change is supposed to happen much uh-huh. easier on both of you. 
Well, that makes a lot of sense. Then it doesn't have to be so uh, dramatic or traumatic to both of you. It doesn't have to be done in rage or anger or abuse. Mm -hmm. It it can be done, at least on your part, Mm -hmm. in a way that's healing. All right. And so whatever change you're about to make, I really want you to gather up your resources, the people around you who love you, care for you, your church people, everybody, mm-hmm. and just get support, not for a decision, but mm-hmm. for really taking care of yourself and putting the focus back on your own life. All right. How does that sound to you? That sounds very good. It sounds empowering. Good. That's exactly what it is, because we have no power when we're trying to change somebody else. All we'll feel is disempowered by it. We will feel very frustrated and confused. Well, that that, that is true. I've been going through a lot of that. Right. And mm-hmm. so this this is very empowering to focus on yourself, because that's the one place that you know you can do something, and you will do something from there. All right. Well, that that makes a lot of sense, and I really appreciate that. Okay, great, Uh, Diane. I'm writing these things down, and I will, you know, uh, think about what you said, and it definitely makes a lot of sense. All right, and please get back to me. Let me know how you're doing and what's happening for you. I'll really want to hear, okay? I, I will, and thank you so much. I really appreciate the time. You're welcome, Diane. My pleasure. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye bye. Thanks for joining me today. I want to give special thanks to my wonderful callers for creating an incredible show. And also thank you to Scott and Teresa, my producers. And uh, be sure to join me next week for another Ask Jane show here on Green 960. Send me your questions, concerns, and feedback. I'm at jane at askjanenow.com. And you can also reach me on my confidential voicemail, 415 458 1900. That's 415 458 1900. Thanks for listening. I look forward to hearing from you. This has been the Ask Jane Show with relationship expert Jane Strauss. Send an email to Jane at janestrauss.com with your relationship concern if you'd like to get some helpful advice right here on the show. You can also visit her at janestrauss.com to read excerpts from her powerful book, Enough is Enough and find out more about how to stop enduring and start living the life you've always wanted. Tune in next Saturday at 4 p.m. when Jane will talk with listeners about their personal concerns. Until next week, may you wake up each day inspired to make the most of your extraordinary life.